So this morning's Dharma talk is uh, a series of things that you meet on um, uh, 1846 to 1912, I think it was, a Tibetan uh, master uh, in the Nyingma lineage of Tibetan Buddhism. One of his uh, teachings, amongst others. So and it kind of it works a little bit. Um, it's a little difficult to, to talk about in some ways because it's so obvious. Do you remember what the first first one was? Anyone? Rely on the teaching, teaching and not the personality of the teacher. Wasn't that something? Yeah. And then the next one was uh, rely on the meaning and not the words. Was that it? Close. And this one, the third one is kind of saying the same thing over and over in a way, is rely on the absolute meaning and not the relative. And since I can't remember stuff, and not the relative one. So the idea there, we're saying it's a very similar kind of thing, and he's kind of badgering us about that. Do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Don't do this one, don't do that one. But on the other hand, and on the same hand, you have to look at the relative situation clearly and thoroughly without coming to conclusions. If you come to conclusions about anything, it's the very nature of ignorance. It's the very nature of confusion. Do not conclude. Conclusions will occur, but if they're happening to someone who's doing it, this is a, this is a seventh consciousness. This is a, the, the, the fuel for passion, aggression, and ignorance. If you think you're correct about something, you're probably mistaken. Not in a relative sense, of course. You could be extremely accurate. You could be one of the most accurate people that anyone's ever seen. And we'll get awards, a praise. What's that other kind of uh, beverage? Accolade? <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so how the hell do we do that? How do we actually rely on, how do we rely on absolute meaning? It's, it's, uh, it's absolute, so it's not relative. So how can you, you know, how can you lean on something, rely on something that's not even there? That's how it's done. Don't take your eyes off from the relative and assume that something you're seeing in the relative world is pointing to something else. It's difficult to do that. It takes a whole lifetime, probably. In the Zen tradition, it has been said, um, it's when people are pressed, uh, which quite often people are pressed, um, how long does this take? About 20 years. Unless you're not very smart and slow as I am, and then you never get there. Sorry. Getting there is relative truth. From this old man's point of view, you I'm looking at every one of you, and every one of you is there already. You just keep covering it up by your hope for something better or something more more like enlightenment or your, pre your preconception about enlightenment or fear that you're never going to get there. Just, all I do is suffer all the time. So that must mean... That must mean, as soon as you say, see anything that arises, as soon as you abandon that and say, well, that must mean, this is what, this is your body language, you might as well be doing this. When you sit down, look at the wall, receive, take it, receive it, receive it. Don't add to it. Don't modify it. Don't divide it up. Don't assess that which is arising. So the ultimate truth is relative truth and absolute truth are not separate. They're just separated. What kind of flower is that? Is there a name for that flower? Dahlia or something. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Dahlia. 
I haven't seen her in 60 years. <laughs> her name was Dahlia Rakite. She was from Lithuania. She was an art student. Want to hear more? That's <laughs> all there is. Goes on where you're scowling. Just like I'm up at 4.30. Okay. Got it. <laughs> no wonder. So it's a very, it's a, what, it's a conundrum. It's a, how do you do what Jumipam, Jamgan Jumipam in, in the early, probably earlier, earlier, earlier part of the previous century said as teaching. I think it's even called a sutra. I'm not sure if there's more to it or not. You're the one that asked me to talk about that. What is it? <laughs> okay. So we can't look at the absolute. We can't see the absolute. We can't witness the absolute. There's no proof of the absolute, but there's lots of relative things going on. And what, what is fundamentally saying is that the relative situations that you think are that and that are not separate. I don't care how much this one, what, how, what a wonderful, lovely fragrance this gives off and how horrible, what a horrible stench this is over here. Your imputation that goes on those is the confusion. Just receive. Let it smell. <clears throat> Let it be fragrant. Don't add, don't divide or separate anything else, that, anything out that is occurring. You're, you might as well be ignoring the words of the Buddha. If you consider yourself a student of Buddhism, and you're room, uh, in this room, you probably have some interest in it, then... Train yourself to see more clearly. Train yourself to see not only out here in the world in your post-meditation, but when you sit down, train yourself to see more clearly what is moving. Don't necessarily join in the movement. Don't necessarily go. The Velcro of passion, aggression, and ignorance is after you. Ego does not want to awaken. Oh, yeah, ego wants to awaken, but ego cannot awaken because it is uh, a myth. It is unreal. And the, the thing that makes it so difficult is uh, when you do awaken, you say even, even ego is included. Everything's included. Nothing is left out. Nothing. You don't have to get rid of your ego. You do not have to get rid of the plays of Shakespeare just because they're not real. But you have to see that they're not real. Yeah, the, the fourth one's going to be even more difficult to talk about. <laughs> this one. So if you can help me, we, this is a mutual thing. I talk for a while. Ask me some questions about this. Make them hard ones. I don't make them. Don't don't make not that kind. Not that kind. <laughs> Any question from Shoto is hard. I think I'm gonna go with Shoshi this time. <laughs> These are always easy. <laughs> uh, is uh, is uh, seeing that uh, some something or isn't real, like you were speaking of, is, is that? coming to a conclusion about the nature of reality? Uh, may, it may appear like a conclusion, but you don't, make, you don't add anything onto it. And you'll see that the very conclusion that just arose uh, collapses into itself. Nothing lasts. And you, the wonderful thing about this, thank you for that question, the wonderful thing about this, this is astonishing, is that everything that comes up, I don't care how, I don't care if it's a piece of granite that's going down. And when you begin to see the truth of this without adding on your crazy mind or without taking away your crazy mind, no manipulation whatsoever, you are beginning to be introduced to what's in uh, Buddhism is called the Dharmata. 
the Dharma taught there's no space, no time. It's without time and space. And you get to see it. You get to see it. Your consciousness gets to look at itself. So there, there may be a conclusion, but you don't join in as the concluder. There's no identity happening here. To be identity, identity-less means you have no longer have any credentials. You can barely find your driver's license. When you do, you think it's someone else. But you don't tell your wife. <laughs> she might get worried. <laughs> Four. This is fun. <laughs> On, I, uh, uh, I think it's there. On identity uh, is being identity less identifying with someone else or seeing yourself as someone else or not. Give me a couple more choices. It's <laughs> not a solid question yet. Yeah, just okay. basing, basing it on... Kind of thinking on your feet. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I'm basing it on a feeling that or an experience or a, it's not a, a thing that it passes looking at someone and mm-hmm. not not knowing or not knowing who it was, okay. but at the same time feeling like it was me. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if that's identity less to be able to look around at everybody and just see yourself. Sure, that's the that's the conventional description of it. Nothing separate, so you start to see yourself everywhere. But it's not really a conclusion. If there's any kind of conclusion happening, the whole thing flips around. It's like a Mobius strip. It's like you think you're on the right side of it, but then it just you find you're on the other side of it. And then the whole uh, uh, conclusion, the feeling of conclusion about anything just begins to collapse. If, if there's self-centeredness happening, the self-centeredness starts to get pretty terrified, terrified of that. It looks like something. It's like a nightmare while you're awake. So it can happen. I'm not saying that's going to happen to everybody. Uh, people bring a different load of karma to the cushion, to the meditation practice, to the teachings of the Buddha. Some people, the particular passage or the uh, is going to be difficult. Uh, they're they're going to feel like they're in a, a ship that won't sail. And but that's why these teachings. If you uh, decide to do this, make sure you want to do it, and or otherwise wait for another lifetime. I'm not kidding you, but if you're ready to do this then go ahead and do it and don't look back. Don't, don't do anything, just proceed. Because you may run into, uh, as they say in the naval terminology, rocks and shoals. You may run into bad weather. You will run into bad weather, but it might be totally different than the person next to you, their bad weather. So at the same time that's happening, you may see that you're not separate from anything. But because it is not a conclusion, it does not bail you out of any kind of uh, a threat or a perceived threat or imputed threat or imagined threat doesn't bail you out of that. You may still have to go through that, um, you know, wings flapping. You still may need to go right into it. Even though you're seeing it's unreal, you still need to go in. It's like uh, being uh, waking up in the middle of a dream, like uh, uh, lucid dreaming, like being conscious and knowing you're dreaming. Only you actually are awake. Further questions? When we encounter the bad weather and there's an absolute meaning, or or what absolute meaning are we relying on? That's it. 
get help, help. it's mutual get get us closer to that that's uh and anybody can answer that question what what weather characteristics is there any that we can rely on yes rely on the absolute meaning and you do that by watching the relative meaning and knowing that it's dependently arisen second by second moment by moment you know it's even though it's intense intense uh, 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 pleasure intense suffering or all the nuances between you know it's it's it is something that is unreal you have to see that and and it's not a conclusion if I look at uh, I don't have to conclude that this uh, is a uh, what was it a dahlia? I don't have to conclude that's a dahlia. I can just ask Michael. <laughs> I'm saying I'm being silly, but I'm saying I don't have to conclude that something is what it, uh, that red is red. red. Well, it's that kind of a thing. I'm just using colors because they are the primary thing that happens in the in this uh, in the visual consciousness, besides shape or everything else happens. And as soon as it happens, we add the sixth consciousness and the seventh and the eighth add. The description of what it is, what it should be, what it shouldn't be. If it's a good thing, a bad thing, a friendly thing, uh, 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 we add on all, all of that. So, watching the fundamental situation, what what takes us from that immediacy? Uh, what takes us from it is you you stop abandoning that, ignoring, looking away. Think of the last time you saw something vividly, especially something painful, and and found a way to distract yourself. It could be as simple as walking out of the room. It could be as simple as changing the channel. It could be as simple as changing the conversation. It could be as simple as any one of those things. As simple as uh, changing shirts. I don't like this one. I'm not going to acquire that. It happens on a very, very fundamental uh, low area. It's like when as soon as your foot hits the floor in the morning, look at the contrast between that and the foot before you awoke. Do we need to see the difference? I don't know. When you see it, when you see a difference, are you seeing it or are you thinking it? Are you concluding there's a difference? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes well, right then. Guess we solved that one. <laughs> <laughs> or didn't we? Is there a difference between the impermanence of phenomena and ignoring actively? So. In other words, you're, what I'm understanding you'd ask is if you're looking at something that is happening and you look away and and you're not witnessing it, you've just, you've uh, managed to ignore that consciously, distract yourself from it. Uh, how does that impermanence, in other words, it's going away because of ignoring and uh, impermanence that is just the nature of being alive, that one, is there a difference? Yes. One of, your, one of them is actually avoidance. Uh, the, uh, the the subtle kind is what you're talking about there, but there's a more refined and aggressive kind called prejudice. Boy, this doesn't mean you've visually looked away, but in your mind you've you've changed how that appears into your idea about it. So it's a manipulation of sorts that keeps you protected from whatever threat was showing up there, possibly. Go ahead. If ignorance can be that subtle, how can we see impermanence? I think just by continuing to look and just don't give up, keep looking at it. Most of the world's not doing that. If you're in this room, you're at least interested in it. You want to see what that is. Yeah. Is looking for the absolute avoiding the relative? Not necessarily. 
you might need to do, you're going to need to do some of that. And everyone will do a, a different amount of that kind of conceptual uh, exploration. <clears throat> and if you just do whatever, um, so if I talk to everyone in here individually, I might give them a different kind of response, depending on what who they were and how they were showing up. I would think for you, that would be something you should go after, hammer and tong. In other words, go find that out. Find out how stable that relative situation is. That's pointing at something. What is it pointing at? So that would, for you, that would be uh, relying because you, you have to you have to go there somehow. So that would be a good way to do it. But you're not necessarily avoiding anything. May not find anything either. If we feel like we're relying on the teacher, is that something we should? shy away from? I don't know anything. Everyone's relationship to the teacher is, is not something you do. It's always mutual. I don't know you guys. It's, it's, there, there are no separate people. It just looks like it. Very seductive stuff. We actually feel like we go out and walk down in the parking lot or go to the store. We go in the bathroom or go to bed or climb up on the roof drive our car. We feel like there's someone doing that. You're going to climb on the roof again. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you came down. Yeah, pictures. Yeah, pictures. <laughs> I think maybe the key word might be just, just insist on it. You, as, a, as a meditator, someone who's sitting down and looking, training day after day after day to see what is arising and falling away in the mind. See, watch what appears and puts on some kind of a show as your memory your, your imagination about an apparent future, your, your memory of uh, apparent past, and all of the conjecture that goes on there and the guesswork that's going in there. Uh, it's constant. The word is, keeps showing up for, for me lately since I've been looking into that area of science is epidemiology. A lot of correlation and damn little proof. And so, but the ego is, just loves that kind of, yeah, you know, I just kind of ride along on this is what he says. And she said, well, you know, he says this and she says this. And look at the documents they have on their, on, on their wall. Head of everything. Smarter than anyone who ever lived. Believe everything I say. say if an action arises out of a situation, are you leaving that situation when you act? Or can it still be? I, I think situationally, I, I don't think there's any... I think trying to find out whether you're leaving or whether you're abandoning or whether you're ignoring or whether I would just say, just look at whatever's arising and however it looks. If you do nothing with it, whatever's arising, you don't do anything with it. It won't last. It's a very, uh, the, one of the first teachings of the Buddha is everything is impermanent and everything is uh, uh, discontent and everything is without a solid center or self. So, but if you do anything with it, you, add on to the what's called fixation you start to fixate not just you but anyone you we start to lock down on what that is we we don't like the the we're willing to be a mountain but we're not willing to be free do it now see it now it may take just saying that to you may take you 20 years may take you 10 minutes so you, you don't have to modify if you're talking to me, which you are, I would say train your mind. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want. And when, I, when I say that, I'm saying sit down, hold still, watch what moves, and then talk to other people who are doing the same thing. We have a perfect setup for that. It's called uh, footsteps or book study. We look at the teachings of the Buddha that go back 
thousands of years. And we talk about those together and share that uh, understanding and share that confusion. It's important. Sangha is very, very important. Maybe maybe it's the most important of the three jewels of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Of course, you can't have a Buddha with it unless there's a Sangha. Is the issue with identity less that we're identifying with the wrong thing and more that we identify at all? I think conceptually that that probably is true, but it's not something you can particularly do because then you're actually you're creating something. It looks like you're you're going the other way, but actually you're creating a person who doesn't identify with anything. Pretty pretty highly sophisticated ego. Someone who's totally how do you say that? Not not perturbed by anything. It's quite often if they have, somebody finds out you're a meditator, you ever notice that? They oh, you must be so peaceful. <laughs> so if you find somebody who is a meditator who kind of, you know, not brags, but kind of wants to let you know how, you know, then you might ask them, so how much do you meditate? At least 20 minutes every single day. It's probably not going to be enough. Now, I'm not interfering with anybody, uh, any John Kabat-Zinn or anybody else who's doing that. They're, they're relating to people where they're at. They're helping people who need that kind of help. But if you're sitting here, more sitting, more sitting. There are teachers who will tell you the other way. There are whole lineages that don't even allow their people to sit. They, they would rather have followers rather than Buddhas. Not interested. They'll follow somebody else. Is the absolute meaning a different understanding of the same thing? Mm -hmm. See, now how hard was that? <laughs> As Nishikai says, you're going to do just fine out there. <laughs> <laughs> I like to use that word. Yes? Can not doing anything be action? Yes, thank you. It's powerful. Don't do anything at all. There's enough action going on already. And if you're not doing anything, I'm going to put it very much like uh, using, uh, coming off of what you're asking, very much in, a, in story form. You're sitting somewhere, not doing anything, except your mind is doing a bunch of things. And then uh, something about that just starts to slow down. You're not even doing that. And you just notice because you've been training your mind over several years, decades, you just notice that you're, ab you're able to see what's coming and going without any comment on it, without any criticism of it, without any com or compliment, without ignoring it. You just see what's happening and going. There's no conclusion. You're not even concluding. I'm getting pretty good at this observing thing. You don't do anything with it. There's no resurrection of some kind of a self-centeredness that's somehow getting somewhere. And in that way, you will, you may go into action based on it's a situational thing. You're still embodied as a human being. Something may occur that if you're wound up in your thought patterns, you may project onto that and actually act or not act based on your projection rather than act or not act based on your clarity about what is happening in front of you. It's just a story. It's a way of talking about relative truth so that you can uh, have your feet on the ground and live in the sky. It's that simple. And it's that complicated. Can you say more about clarity? Yes. You don't see anything. Even though there's all kinds of things happening, moving, coming, and going, you no longer see an independent phenomenon. There's no 
the fancy word, I'm going to use this uh, because I, I makes me sound pretty smart. Uh, there's no ontological status to what is happening. There's no thing quality because you're actually seeing your projection. You're actually seeing your imputation of whatever happens. It's so easy that there is so much Velcro around that. When I say so much stickiness about anything you see, that if you not really look deeply within within this and within this and within this, if you've not if you if not made friends with yourself, to use Trump Rinpoche's phrase, then any area that is dark there will get imputed or put on what's in front of you and you'll run away from it, you'll run to it, or you'll have some ideas or you'll start writing novels. You'll do something else because of the trigger that that causes and you'll stay in the orbit we call samsara, relative truth, living and dying, living and dying, living and dying. More, Ed, go ahead. So is clarity always relative or is there an absolute clarity? Oh, there's just relative clarity. It's all relative. Absolute clarity would, would not be clarity. There wouldn't be no there, there would be no object there. So you can't be you can't really be clear. That's why uh Nisargadatta Maharaj, the, the the Indian sage of the last century, said all all knowledge is ignorance. And a simple way of saying that is if you're looking at anything, you're ignoring everything else. So if you know about this, you don't know about that. There's no way to know about everything. Quite a carnival, yes. Uh, William Murray wants to know what is real. Just uh, real is just a word that indicates uh, some kind of idea about things that are dependable or solid. And so the only way to use language, which is highly relative, it's the whole structure is set up that way. Um, <clears throat> there, there's no way to to talk about that. Can't even the, the understanding of the Buddha can't be said in words, but we use words around. We we use pointers. If someone realizes this, it's not. Uh, there's nothing has occurred. If things occur, we're back to relative truth again. So it, 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 I don't know how else to say it. The word that I don't often use because it's kind of aggravating to use it, but it's called transcendence. You've, you're no longer of this world, and yet you're not separate from anything in the world anymore. It's called wisdom and it's called compassion. And there's no credential for it. No one gets a credential. Well, this guy did. Um, Yokodo from Minnesota asks, is relying on the absolute meaning the same as relying on emptiness and therefore no meaning? You could say that as long as you don't uh, pile on board there and start a club. As long as you don't, don't do anything, we just receive that, it won't last. Anything that shows up as phenomena, whether it's, whether it's a conclusion or whether it's uh, the word reality, that now you finally see what reality is, conclusion. The very nature of this is to, anytime you reach for it, it's like smoke. You can't, it's there, it's phenomena, but you can't move the smoke from over here to over there. So relative situation is different degrees of solidity until there isn't anything. Sure. Does the whole dynamic of reliance need to go away eventually? Everything goes away eventually. It's impermanent, so everything does. But while you're here, while we're here, while we're on a path, while we're prioritizing our life in such a way that we, we want to see what this is. We don't necessarily, I'm speaking uh, hopefully for people who are here, we don't want to live any further without knowing fundamentally what is, what is being alive, being a human being, this particular human being, this particular, what has this life been like from the time you first uh, realized that you were a very tiny person. 
and then notice all the input that you've been getting from everyone. And then at some point, you wouldn't be in this room uh, at all if you hadn't really started to question some of that. And then you find out that uh, you're going to have to see this yourself uh, as far as this path is, is concerned, this spiritual path. It's not a belief. So there's nothing to believe here. I even say over and over again, don't believe a word I say. Uh, how can you see something for yourself and not, and not, and, and it not be a conclusion? Just don't give up on it. To be able to ask that question already shows there, there's a crack in the vase. The, the, the vase, meaning some solid thing you thought was true. You ask that question, it tells me you already, your intuition is already telling you that something's fishy here. Keep looking. Don't, you need to do it. I could come over here and over there and hit you. Some teachers have done that. <laughs> <laughs> understand yeah i i totally understand yeah. just i say don't give up just keep going you have to do it i can't do it for you i can't even though i might might have some clarity about something but even if i do i can't say here have some clarity yeah, that'll be 50 bucks <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's it's available it's free it's free free and you and you if you're in this room you can see this just continue to look at it, continue to hold, hold everything still that you can, which means the body. Is there some aspect of the mind you can hold still without, without a struggle? In other words, no mantras. I'm not saying you couldn't do a mantra, but I think that's very individual. Uh, we've got enough mantra going on in our minds with our thought patterns. Shouldn't you? He said the relative and the absolute are not separate, but they're separated. What is that separation? Life and death, hope and fear, all the separations. Uh, Buddhas and sentient beings, enlightenment and delusion. The Buddha didn't, as I've said many times, and other teachers before I got around, came around and said, Del delusion and enlightenment are not separate. The Buddha awoke. His awakening was to see delusion. He didn't do anything with it. It was already awakening. So the whole, that's a very simple way of talking about relative truth in the context of the absolute as a concept. Kevin? Did you say something in the mind holds still? No, I, I would say, well, I might have. <laughs> no, did I? Yeah. What I meant to say, or what, what I, as I recall, and I don't recall much, but what I recall was uh, hold everything still that you can without, without struggle. So sit down, the body, you can do that if the, if the, uh, if you're uh, sit in a symmetrical posture, body and mind are not separate. They're just intensely separated, depending on how much confusion is going on with uh, your particular um, sensorium. Sit down, hold still. And then if you can hold the mind still without, without um, manipulating too much, then do that. But you probably cannot. So then what do you do? You just watch what moves. You're holding still, and the mind will, will supply you with an endless commentary on every damn thing there is. What you're doing, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, how well you're doing. You'll uh, evaluate your your meditation practice endlessly. You guys know this? We have these really good meditation days. Meditation is really good today. Meditation sucked today. I might never meditate again. That was horrible. Not two. Not separate. Pain and pleasure are not two different things. More? 
So the stillness is the movement? We'll get too fancy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Say more. So when you're watching all those thoughts and objects and things come and go, is that the stillness? That's, that's pretty good, actually. I wouldn't agree with it. Not that good. <laughs> disagree? No, I wouldn't disagree. So, but what you're saying there, the way the way you're looking at that, the way you're going into that, is is appropriate. It might not get some results necessarily, but it's an appropriate way. Looking for results is you know, there's plenty of people doing that. A lot of other people doing that. Don't conclude anything. Chuchu. The separation between any two opposites, like you brought up, life and death, pain and pleasure, absolute and relative. Is it the same? Is the separation there the same thing? I'm just trying to figure out what. So, Sandokai would be a good way that that will help you do it until you see that even that's not necessarily the equality of sameness and difference. The equality of they're same, they're different. To use that kind of a way of using concepts to talk about something that transcends the conceptual uh, fixation, fabrication, elucidation, qualification. And all those other issues. What is meant by equality in that? Equality of sameness and difference? Two. They're equal. Both fingers, but different. So they're both fingers. So fingers. Are those two fingers? Are they both fingers? Okay, what's different about them? Your mind is it's fine to let your mind do that. You don't have to control anything. Please stop. And how do you stop? See the way you keep having an agenda about who you are, what you are, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And maybe you're, you might even be hearing your parents' voices in your, in your ear saying, don't do that. Don't, you, know, you need to get a job. You should you know, start, start, start worshiping uh, Hotep, the Egyptian. So, I mean, you know, I mean, all kinds of wanting you because they can't, not blaming your parents for, for anything, doing anything bad, but you know, because people can't do what they want to do, they'll try to teach you. Have you noticed how quick people are to give you advice about anything? Oh, you haven't noticed that? Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're safe from that. Yes? Still wondering about the... So in Sandokai, the equality of sameness and difference. Um, what is the difference between the concepts of equality and sameness? I think what the teaching is trying to do is to help us to give some kind of a, what, lubricant to that whole sticky area that wants to get jammed up in terms of picking and choosing. Well, this is the same, so I want that. But this is different, so I don't want that. Or this is different, so I want that. But this is the same. So it's just a way of saying the equality of sameness, same and different. So I'm just using my fingers because it's silly. So same fingers. But then over here, Equality of they're the same, so they're the same, but there there's some difference there. But it's not enough to, uh, you know, join the French Foreign Legion. You know, it's not in that much, but people will do that. They'll have one little tiny thought that starts to smolder, and because the ego mind wants to be somebody, wants to have an idea that is correct, wants to have a, a mission in life. I had a student this morning at uh, text asked me about the meaning of life, about meaning. You don't need meaning. You don't need to have something mean something. It's like 
Click, 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 click. Oh, let's find out what this means. Don't need that. You're, you're not separate from the most profound meaning. Therefore, uh, it doesn't have an opposite. It's like the people who go around with their good uh, philosophies, good and evil, and just try to have, they want warfare on any level they can get it. They'll say they won't settle for anything but a good uh, fight. We need to go into both ends of polarity to understand. Probably. Yes, you would. And the way you do that is in this tradition, I don't know how it's done in, uh, in uh, Eurasia or in, the, uh, in, the, in the, the Marshall Islands, but the way it's done here is you sit down, hold still, look at the wall and watch the conflict here. You don't, there's plenty of conflict in the world. If you go out into that, you'll get sucked into it and you may find your place in there. They might, you might be a lieutenant colonel. You know, or you might be uh, scrubbing uh, out the latrine. Uh, what I'm saying is you don't, don't know because your karma will take you. You do not make choices, my friends. You think you make choices? Look again. I did not choose to do this. So what we do is we watch the warfare in our own gut, in our own heart, in our own mind. We just look at that warfare and don't, even if it has a perfect story behind it, like, well, she did, said this, and they did, and they said they were going to do this, and they didn't do it. And look what now, look what I've got in my lap. I've got to take care of. Well, why can't you depend on people? It's just terrible. I mean, do the best I can. I've never treated her wrong, or I've never, I've never said a bad word to this guy. And look what he's doing to me. You follow me a little bit? I'm just saying that you can justify anything. The world is full of stories about everything, and they're. They're true and they're untrue, which is, again, the quality of sameness and difference. You're going to have true stories and untrue stories. You don't need that. You don't need that kind of labyrinth of, of ideas and backups and, uh, again, epidemiology. You want to find the proof. You want to find the truth, the proof. Sit down and find it in yourself. I can't give it to you. I won't. I wouldn't give it to you if I could. I don't even know it. I don't know anything. What do you guys even listen to me for? Why? Find out why. And how are you going to find out why? You can't. It was not a why question. It's a what question. What is this? It's some old man saying, find out who you are. You don't have to be a Buddhist. You might need to be a Buddhist, but you don't have to. You can do this. It might be a lot harder to do it without really strong forms, without the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha that have been around for 2,500 years. You might need that structure or not. Maybe you're special. Maybe you're more highfalutin. Questions? Ed? Are there signposts along the way? There can be. Uh, I would say that you, if you don't see any signposts and you don't know where you're going or how you're doing or whatever, but you're still practicing, you're still endeavoring to find out the truth for yourself, then you'll get just exactly the signposts you need. No more, no less. And, and insofar as you can, don't make any decisions. Don't do anything unless you have to. Uh, sometimes if people come and uh, might come and say, should I, should, I had a student, it's been a while, ask me, should I receive your guy? I said, no, don't, don't, don't do any vows. Don't do anything unless you have to. Anybody in here you see that is a student of mine who's received vows, they've had to ask me for those vows, sometimes several times. So what is your definition of have to? Got to do it. <laughs> got to do it. You, you don't have a choice. You, you got to do this. And you won't have any, and there will be no, nobody in the bleachers of your mind saying, yes, yes, Ed, go for it. No, it'll be more like nobody's there. There's no backup. 
and you're not just you, I'm just going from how this has been for me. You just feel lost. You don't know what to do. And so therefore you just, you, it's a, like an a, a elimination diet for your activity or your body. Just don't do anything else you have to. And that way, what you need to do might be just around the corner. And you could just wait and see if there's anything you really need to do. It's called patience, except this might have a little bit broader meaning here. Just wait and see what you really need to do. More, please. Uh, no, I, I, I can't ask a question. I can only make a statement. So I don't mind. Those people do this all the time. I'm making statements. Go ahead. Well, uh, there, uh, there are there are times when when it when I think to myself that would be a good thing to do. So I, sometimes I pursue in that I, I go in that direction, and and sometimes it, it, it seemed like it was the right thing to do. Sounds good to me. I wouldn't correct that. I wouldn't, wouldn't do anything with it. So, I wouldn't do anything with it. Sounds fine to me. But you don't need my approval. Sounds like a good thing to do. Do it. But if there's any kind of hesitation, if you want, if there's something you should do, eighty percent, ninety percent, probably should look at it a little while longer. Give it three more days, and just kind of watch and see if the if it goes up and down. If I, you can't really do this unless you're a meditator, unless you're actually you have to be a Buddhist. Uh, sit down, hold still. You have to s spend some time sharpening that which is aware and not that which thinks. That which thinks is muscle bound. Been tagging around with us since we were born. Get stronger and stronger when you get to be about 13 or 14, just about running the world. It's called being a one of, one of the statements that pops into my head once in a while is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I've heard that. <clears throat> it seems like it's a little bit more subtle than just a statement in Bowen. Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, that's that was my. I, I didn't choose to have a, a Trung Parampache be my teacher. I did not want a teacher. I was very paranoid when I met him. And, but I, but reading his book, it was so uh, cutting through spiritual materialism and uh, meditation in action. The, the only two books he had out when I met him. I was very I was very paranoid of it. I was kind of terrified, actually. So I just tried to smoke more dope. Didn't help. And then I just found it was it was choiceless. I didn't make a decision. I was going in a direction that was very scary to me. I felt like somebody with had X-ray vision could see how crazy I was. I did it anyway, not because I'm so brave. It's just because I couldn't help it. I had to do it. Yes. If we feel like we have a choice, what's actually going on? Delusion. I mean, basically, or the or or you may uh, the other kind of delusion is uh, uh, you're enlightened. Any position on anything? Bless. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> so, is the uh, choice does that show up like a gradient? It, it seems like there's some things that looking back it seemed what I would call choiceless by description, but then there's some things that still. <clears throat> Seems like I have a choice in my hands around. Does that ever lose that quality of choice? I, I think we can we can always find some kind of validation for our ability to make choices. That's part of the illusion: is I can reach here, or I can no, I have a choice. I can either pick up the kotsu and and I can move it. I can hold it upside down. My kotsu, whatever I want with it. Maybe if I hold it in a really funny way, people take it as a secret teaching. 
you follow me a little bit? I'm being silly, but I'm just saying that, that the whole idea, this we impute this body mind is ours, our possession, and we can actually do things with it. It's not that we're not doing that, but it is not separate from everything else. And when you realize that, your your uh, allegiance to a separate body goes away. This doesn't mean that you're suddenly able to be in other people's bodies and make them wave to people. It doesn't mean something silly like that. It's just that you really see the boundary. Then you're really, uh, it's called respect. You don't have to be respectful. If you see the, see the boundary, there's nothing but respect for people. You respect, I, I say this over and over again. I think I, I just said it yesterday. You need to respect people's confusion. So important and so difficult to do because we want to either get away from them because they're confused or we want to help them because they're confused or we want to gossip about them because they're confused. Because that's the way of blowing off steam about others. It's, it's extremely magnetic. But if you see the... The separations, it depends on how you're functioning with others. If you're functioning as a, as a Dharma teacher, you may step right through boundaries that other people think are real. And you may completely respect boundaries that other people think you should do something about it. This is why there's so much confusion around uh, gurus and Dharma teachers. Misunderstanding. Yes. Does that movement of the kotsu just as mechanical as the planet's moving? Like I'm thinking about moving it? But if I go, let me like that, is that mechanical? Do you think this is mechanical? It would be more mechanical if I went. Arthritis will come back. <laughs> it's just, it's just. You know. <laughs> Pure appearance. Laura from Traverse City has a question. Yes, Laura. How does ignorance see ignorance? Seems impossible. I think. Uh, it, what was the question again? How does ignorance see ignorance? Mm -hmm. That's really a hard question. The way the way in which it's being asked, I would have to say that ignorance uh, won't see it. It's two concepts banging heads there, so I, I don't think it can see it. I think awareness can be aware that something has been shut out, but it's even that is a you just get kind of the tail end of things. It's just like we're looking at something and suddenly the door closes. We realize something was there. We're not sure what it was, but somehow we closed the door on something. You may have noticed that in your life, that something is happening and there's something about it that you don't like, that you're not, you haven't identified it yet, but you, you don't want to go any further in that direction. You'll go another way. So that would be a way which everybody can probably identify a little bit of that. But as far as ignorance, seeing ignorance, I think it's uh, kind of a double Mind. Go ahead. If something comes up that's uncomfortable and we we find that we're ignoring it, is that a choice? So when I say everything is choiceless, I'm not saying that there isn't some kind of operation where we're going this way or going that way. But the fundamental situation is choiceless. The fundamental situation is choiceless. So there may be choices there that we're using to empower our self-centeredness. Well, I don't want to. Well, I just do what I want to do. Well, I know what I like and I don't like that. 
uh, well, I have to I have to be me in all those various different levels. So we're not saying that the illusion of choice of having choices isn't really powerful, but we have, may have to watch that and watch our assumption and what we had, what we hook onto it, validate, and we made a choice, and then we validate it by well, I I chose that. But like there's a a thing out there in the whole community of uh, of um, therapy that well, you have to make the right choices. It's I'm not saying it's not helpful to some extent, but it doesn't go into the fundamental situation to really see fundamentally because we use choices to cover up, cover our tracks and make it look like we're somebody getting better. We're more interested in being somebody, ego, who gets better rather than find out who this fundamentally is. Go ahead. Is this something Shoka does when he's sitting up there? <laughs> Which one of you guys does this? Both of us. You, you and I both? Oh, Jason. <laughs> Did I see a hand go up? Yeah, she was on. Is, is our choice relatively not important because the constraints of the situation are so much greater? I think there's something to that. I don't think that we can, we can use that as some kind of way of getting ourselves to be more in the present or you know, manipulate ourselves in such a way. But it's, not, it's a, an interesting way of looking at it. It's, it's extremely complicated, but what is extremely simple is this, nothing extra. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, don't do the math. And the, your way of describing it is to, is you're kind of looking at, it's just a labyrinth of right and wrong and up and down and back and forth and choice and no choice and it's just extensive. So the more we can sit down, hold still and just watch what moves, then that blade of awareness when you get up off the cushion and interact with the rest of your life, the other people in your life, even if they're not meditators, at least you respect their confusion and stop trying to change them. Don't, don't recommend that anybody meditates. Do it. Wait, don't, wait for them to ask you. I hear you meditate. Yep. How is that? Good. So what does it do for you? It helps. So how does it help? Less crazy. <laughs> What do you mean by crazy? Leave my thoughts. I mean, you can, you know, let them, make them drag it out of you. If you, if you start promoting it or propagandizing that thing, they hear enough of that from everybody all the time. Everybody's advertising and making promises. Don't do it. Don't do it. Or if you do it, at least be aware that you're doing it. It's good to respect people's confusion. It's not separate from the Buddha nature. That's why I talk the way I do. Look at the confusion in your mind and stop having an agenda about getting rid of it or using, well, I'm starting to feel better, so I must be doing this right. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Yes. Is dependent origination mechanical? Um, <laughs> ask Chazan. Go ahead. Ask him. I'm, I'm in arm's reach of Chazan. <laughs> <laughs> Afraid of my backhand. <laughs> So, see what what you're doing with the question is you're you're, ha you're separating uh, mechanical things from other things and saying there's a certain kind of movement that's mechanical and another like the I won't do that again the robot thing there's a certain kind of mechanical thing and then there's other thing that's more fluid and not so mechanical not separate those are not separate things they have a different kind of quality to them but they're fundamentally dependently arisen this is dependently arisen yes when I say mechanical. Um, Asking more about cause and effect and less about like rigidity, like okay. even like a waterfall. The way I was asking it might be considered mechanical, but there's water and then gravity. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, of course. So what did I say? Did I agree with you or disagree or what did I do? Don't know. What was the question? Can't remember. You remember? What do you say about mechanical? Is it mechanical? Is dependent origination mechanical? Very good. What do you think? Don't know. What do you think? About. About what he said. About what Nishigai said about what? <laughs> well, there's a, you know, the imputation of mechanical, I mean, uh, until they had chariots, there probably wasn't any mechanical. The word wasn't mechanical wasn't even there. And then they thought, how do you talk about a wheel going around? You know, there's some, something of quality of that that's different than, you know, a gopher running across the golf course. <laughs> I must be getting tired. <laughs> yeah, Shoshi. Uh, does, does the ability to see causal relationship help us understand ultimate? I think it does. I, I think it does. I'm sure it does. Just it's just the sometimes I talk about uh, the teaching I used to do years ago, and occasionally it'll come up. It's called halfway measures. Because anytime you're going to do anything, uh, like uh, say I was going to pick up the kotsu. And, but rather than, than actually do that, actually you get, you might even stop in the middle. You might watch your movement and stop yourself there. Or you might just notice, you might just flash on when you're halfway there and notice what's, what is this whole dynamic? What's this whole mandala, this whole situation where there is an apparent life, uh, three-dimensional, so to, so to speak, uh, happening there just to, uh, to look at that. So I think that would be a way of, Saying yes, you could look very closely at anything you, anything you do, when you're. Um, it's it's just about training the mind to see more clearly. It's not about coming to a, to a conclusion. There could be more and more about the understanding of dependent origination, and less of less and less and less about the need for any kind of conclusion about anything. And so that one is finally, after all these years of studying and practicing, one has released one's grip on needing anything. You don't need happiness. You don't care about sadness. You don't need anything else. You don't even have everything you need because you don't want anything. Can there ever be an intellectual way to understand the absolute? Uh, if one is going to understand the absolute, there would be some intellectual situation happening there. And some people are all about that. We, we study books that are uh, intensely uh, conceptual by scholarly people who are way smarter than this guy. And, uh, and I, if you live here, I require that people study those. Um, I don't want to study them. I require that other people study them and discuss them. And then I respond to questions out of that. So, uh, a little bit of the, a little bit of that, and I'm going to do away with the intellect. I'm not going to say, oh, just go to the top of the mountain and meditate the rest of your life. Like some people do. And I'm also going to say, not go in and say, just, just study, just you can you have to understand this intellectually before you'll ever have any realization. That's also the way it looks here, misunderstanding. So I would say, perhaps, at some point, the concepts and the ideas, the intuition, the concepts that we break apart into pieces, at some point, those are not separate. I don't, I don't plan anything. When you does. <laughs> Stuff happens. Should we? Yeah, we should.
We'll stand and dedicate the merit at the back of our chant books. And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. Depend on and greatly appreciate your financial support. We also are pleased to take donations online through PayPal and other means. Check our website, hookakoji.org. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Feel everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with life. 